You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Today we're launching a new series about the choices we make. So over the next few weeks we're going to talk about choices. We're going to have Jimmy Matibi in here to kind of split this series. Um, so he'll be here in a couple of Sundays as a guest as a guest speaker. But we're going to take about the four or the next four or five weeks talking about choices because choices, the choices we make are really critical. Matter of fact, this is what I believe. I believe the choices we make shapes the life we live. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and say, the choices you make will shape the life you live. Go ahead and tell your neighbor. In this series, we're going to talk about choosing optimism, choosing gratitude, choosing radical living, and then we're going to conclude by talking about choosing encouragement. Today, we want to start with with optimism. I want to begin by kind of talking about attitude. There's a great story, maybe you've heard this story before, about a man who had a health problem, so he made an appointment to see the doctor. Doctor, as he approached the doctor, he says, doctor, um, everywhere I touch seems to hurt. He says, I don't know if I'm just getting old or I'm senile, I don't know what the problem is, but he says, if I, if I touch my head, it hurts. If I touch my stomach, it hurts. If I, if I touch my knees, whoa, it, it, it hurts. I, I don't know what the problem is. And the doctor realized that this was an abnormal situation, so he ordered a complete like full body x-ray of this man's body. The man was in the waiting room waiting for the doctor to come out. As a doctor, about an hour later, an hour had passed, the doctor came out and, and stroking his chin, he says, I, I figured out what the problem is. I know what the problem is. And the man says, oh, that's, that's great news. He said, Doc, tell me what the problem is. He says, well, here's the full, full body x-ray. He says, your body's fine. He says, the problem is, is that your finger's broken. As I was thinking about that story, I thought, you know, our attitude is like that broke finger. If your attitude is bad, then it makes every area of your life bad. If your attitude's rotten, then you experience what? Rotten life, right? If your attitude stinks, you, you experience what? A, a stinking life. So the attitude we choose will, will color the life we experience. And that's why we want to spend some time talking about choices and, and attitude. Your attitude, I believe, is one of the most important things about you. It's more important than your past. It's more important than your looks. It's more important than your money. It's even more important than your job. And, and let me tell you why. Your attitude will determine your approach to life. How you, how you see life. Your attitude will determine how you live out your faith and how you represent Jesus. Listen, some of you are not representing Jesus well in the workplace, in your school place because of your attitude. Your attitude says something different than who Christ is. Your attitude is going to determine whether you're an effective witness of Christ or not. And if you're walking around with this old sour look on your face and you got a rotten attitude, you think people are going to want what you have? And they're going to run from you, not run to you. So an attitude, our attitude will determine whether we're going to be effective at living out a contagious faith. Your attitude determines your relationship with people. Your attitude can turn problems into blessings. Your attitude can give you an uncommonly positive perspective about life. There's no way around it. The attitude we choose to process life with is critical. But it's important, I think it's, it's important for us to know that our attitude is not good simply because we're Christian. You have to cultivate a positive attitude, a right attitude, 
every day of your life. So this is not like a one day, okay, we're going to do this on Sunday and pray about it on Sunday, and it's going to get me the rest of my life. It's going to carry me the rest of my life. No, this is an everyday process of what choosing to think positive, choosing to live positive. See, our thoughts shape our actions. Our actions shape our destiny, and our destiny determines our legacy. So if you want a better life and you want to leave a greater legacy, then you have to consistently, continually control your thinking. It's an ongoing process. You have to choose an attitude that opens your life to success and and an attitude that positions you for God to work in and through your life. You know, it's been said that our attitudes are like the rudder of a ship. You'll either be ruled by the rudder or you'll be ruled by the rocks. And the choice is yours. What's going to direct your life? The attitude is the difference maker. Winston Churchill, the great spokesman, the great leader, says attitude is the little thing that makes a big difference. It's a little thing in your life that that shapes your life, that directs your life in a big way. So you, you can't have a good day with a bad attitude and you can't have a bad day with a good attitude. Right? The attitude we choose, again, shapes the life we live. I think it's interesting that the first instruction that Jesus gave to the disciples was not about faith. It was not about miracles. It was not about how to deal with the uh, religious Pharisees. The first teaching that Jesus gave, found in Matthew chapter 5, theologians have titled it the Beatitudes. The first thing Jesus taught his disciples, he says, hey guys, come here, let me tell you about your attitudes. Be attitudes. Jesus knew that attitude would shape what we become. So he begins to talk with the disciples about these eight beatitudes, about outlook in life. Because Jesus knew outlook would shape like the effectiveness of our lives, the impact of our lives. It would shape what we experience in life. Therefore, Jesus begins by talking about attitude. And one of the critical attitudes that we need to choose is optimism. It's what we want to talk about today. We need to process life with a positive attitude, not a negative attitude. Now, positive thinking over the past, I don't know, 10, 12 years has got some negative rap, um, probably more so than it deserved. Now, I'm not, though, just talking about positive thinking. For me, optimism is more than just positive thinking. Optimism is like how we process life. Optimism is about my outlook on life. Rather than being a pessimist, I want to be an optimist. Optimism flows out of our perspective of God and who we are in Him. See, if we have a right perspective of God, if we truly understand who we are in Christ, then it will feed optimism. It will help us with a positive outlook on life, which feeds faith. And when we operate in great faith, what it does is it opens our lives for God to work in our lives in a greater way. Interesting, if you read through the Gospels, that almost, not every miracle, but almost every miracle that Jesus did was connected to faith. Connected to faith. And faith flows out of, or faith is fueled by optimism. Let me give you three stories really quick. These come right out of the Bible. The first story is the woman who had the issue of blood. Um, She had been sick for 12 years, been to the doctor's. Uh, The doctors couldn't solve her problem. They took all of her money, but they couldn't solve her problem. So here's a woman, sick for 12 years. She hears that Jesus is coming to town, 
And if you read the story, here's a woman in a weakened state who was unclean, meaning she shouldn't have been in the crowd that day, because if you were unclean in that culture, you were an outcast. Yet here's a woman in the middle of the crowd doing what she should have never done. Why? Because she was optimistic. It was optimism that fueled faith. So here's this woman in her sickened state, her weakened state, presses through the crowd, touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and the scripture says instantly she's healed. Jesus has this little dialogue with the woman, and ultimately at the end of the conversation, he says, woman, your faith has healed you. See, it was optimism, it was her belief that Jesus could change her situation that fueled her faith, that motivated her into the crowd to touch Jesus, and it was that that ended up bringing the miracle in her life. But it was optimism fueling faith that opened the way for God to work in her life. We see the same thing happening with the paralyzed man who had the four friends. You recall the story? I think it's Mark chapter 2, a man who was paralyzed, couldn't get to Jesus, but he had four optimistic friends. How do I know they were optimistic? Because you read the rest of the story. They get their friend on the stretcher. They carry him to Jesus. When they come to the house that Jesus is at, they've got a problem. And the problem is, is there's so many people, they can't like get in the house. They can't even get close to Jesus. Now, it's a good thing that the paralyzed man had four optimistic friends, not four pessimistic friends. If it had been four pessimistic friends, they would have said, sorry, not your day for the miracle. You're going to be paralyzed the rest of your life. We're taking you home. Not, but that's not the story. But they were four optimistic friends. What does optimism do? Optimism looks at the problem and says there's got to be a solution. So the four friends look at each other and say, oh, crowd's big. Oh, look at that. The roof's wide open. Let's go up and tear a hole in the roof and let's get our friend to Jesus. So they they do just that. They were driven by optimism. Optimism fueled faith, tore a hole in the roof. They let their friend down to Jesus. Jesus heals the paralyzed man. But get this, if you read the story, this is what Jesus says. He looked at the four friends and he says, it's your faith that healed your friend. Well, they were optimistic. They come to a problem where there's got to be a solution. It was optimism that fueled faith that opened the way for their paralyzed friend to be healed. Here's another story going back to the woman who had the issue of blood. As Jesus is encountered by this woman who had been sick for 12 years, he was actually on his way to heal a little girl. There was a synagogue ruler who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter's sick. She's dying. Will you come? And so Jesus is going with the dad to check on, to pray for, to heal a sick girl. And on the way, he's interrupted by this woman who had this this issue of blood. And so Jesus is kind of, you know, he, he works that miracle. And, and now they're on the way again to the house of the synagogue ruler. And as they're on their way, here comes the servants of the synagogue ruler and says, hey, bad news. Your daughter's dead. She dies. Sorry to tell you. And in, in the story, if you read the story, it's like the father goes from positive to negative. How many of you know? If you had a daughter and you just got the news that your daughter died, you would go from positive to negative, right? And so that's kind of what you, if you read the story, you see this shift from, oh, wow, Jesus is going with me. My daughter's going to be healed to, oh, she's dead. And Jesus then says to the father, he says, don't be afraid. Your daughter will live. Don't be afraid. In other words, this is what Jesus was saying. This is my interpretation of what Jesus was saying to the dad who just heard the news that his daughter was dead. He was saying, stay positive. Be optimistic. And optimism 
It was that that fed faith. And long story short, Jesus goes and he, and he raises this dead girl to life. Folks, that is the power of optimism. Optimism fuels faith that opens our lives in a greater way to God. See, this is what I know today. You can process life in a negative way and the life you'll experience will be negative. Or you can process life in a positive way and the life you experience will be positive. Now listen, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems. But what it does mean is this, there's a solution in the midst of the problem. How many of you know there's problems in life, the reality of problems in life? Really quick side story, funny story. This week, someone in the church asked me, they called me and said, Hey, Pastor, will you come help me cut down some trees? Have some trees close to the house, close to the pool, need to get them taken down? I said, Sure. So I got got my chainsaw. Um, I'm better at preaching, I think, than I am following trees. But I go over to help my friend who asked me, because I always like to help. I go over to help my friend. We're going to cut these trees down. first one we, we cut, whoo, man, we went right where we wanted it to go. And so we did our little happy dance. Um, second tree was kind of leaning toward the house, a little toward the pool. Um, we had great confidence. We were optimistic. And I, and I fell the tree right in the middle of the pool. It was something to see. Um, I'll have to show you the film. We actually have it on video of the pastor dropping a tree right in the middle of the pool. This is what I know. Stuff like that happens in life, right? Man, there's challenges in life. But this is what I know. Even in the midst of that, right attitude can be that that feeds faith, that helps us find solutions, even in the midst of that. So what they're thinking is critical. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote these words for us in Philippians chapter 4. And I like the way the message paraphrase reads here. So I have it actually written out for you there in the notes. It's on the screen. Uh, let me read this, these words for you. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say... You'll do best, notice, by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, notice, and God who makes everything work together will work in you into his most excellent harmonies. So from Paul's words here, let me give you a few truths about your thinking. The first is this, you control your thinking. No one else controls your thinking. Listen, there's a lot of things outside of your control today. Like trees falling into a pool, outside of my control. A lot of things outside of your control today, but the things that you always have control over is your thinking process. So the first thing we need to understand here is you control your thinking. That's why Paul says, hey, think about these things. Why? Because you have the ability to control your thinking. Here's the second truth about thinking. It's this. Your thinking can take you up or down. Up or down. It can position you for success or it can limit your life. One man says, I can't. Another man says, I can. Which one is right? Both. But, but you, you think it can take you up or down. Remember, at Proverbs 23, verse 7, the scripture says this, As a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinketh, as, as you're processing in your mind, as a man thinks, so becomes 
his life. So your thinking, what can take you up or down? Here's a, here's a third truth about your thinking. And this is, I think this is probably the most critical. Your thinking, how you process your thinking can open the way for God's work in your life. Amen. See, your thinking can make God big or make God small. Our thinking can um, limit God or our thinking can release God's work. Our thinking can position us to partner with God or our thinking can keep us from the work that God wants to do in our lives. See, your thinking what has the ability to open God's work for your life. We see this illustrated in one of my favorite stories in all the Bibles, 1 Samuel 17. It's the story of David and Goliath. And I'm not going to take time to go into the whole story this morning. But what we see is the difference in the outcome based upon thinking. We have Saul's army who were retreating in fear. Why? Because they saw Goliath and they thought, they thought in their minds, that guy is so big we could never win. He's so, I mean, he's been trained for battle. He has all the equipment. There's no way that... We could go against him and win. That's what they were thinking. And it was their thinking that limited God in their lives. And a young kid shows up on the battlefield who should have never been on the battlefield. I mean, he's just a young guy. He's not been trained for battle. He didn't have the right equipment. He didn't have the right armor. Matter of fact, the story says he only had a slingshot and five stones. And here's this mammoth of a man in front of him with all the equipment. You know the story, David goes out on the battlefield with a slingshot and five stone, takes Goliath out. Here's my question for you today, who killed Goliath? Was it David or God? I would say both. If you read the story, you can't say David didn't do it because he, he was there. But I would say that God worked through David because David had this optimistic outlook. And it was an optimistic outlook that opened the way for God to work in and through his life, that he would go out on a battlefield and a little shepherd boy would take out a giant and win a great victory for the nation of Israel. What his thinking, it was his thinking, it was his optimistic outlook that opened the way for God to work in his life. That was just the same in our lives. That's why optimistic thinking it's so critical that we're, that we're living our lives on the positive side. So as I wrap this up really quick this morning, how can we build to the positive? If, if positive thinking, optimistic thinking is so critical, if optimistic thinking fuels faith, then how can we build for the positive? I'm going to say it in three words. Actually, there's a little more than three words, but I'm going to start with three words. It's this. Fix, filter, and focus. Would you say that with me this morning? Fix, filter and focus. So how do we build for the positive? We fix, we filter, we focus. Let me talk about each of those just for a second. The first is this. You want to build to the positive in your thinking, you need to fix. You need to fix. Now the word fix is like a call to action. It's a call to, to move to action. It's interesting in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. The scripture reads like this in the Living Bible. It says, fix your thoughts on what is true and good. To fix, to take action. In other words, don't allow your mind to wander to all these different places and allow all this stuff to run rampant in your mind. No, what do you need to do? You need to take charge of your thought life. I said this earlier, but let me say it again. Listen, who's the one who controls your thought life? 
yourself, right? I can't control your thoughts. You can't control my thoughts. But what I can do is I can control my own thought life. So the first thing we need to do is, is we need to fix. That's why Paul would say here, fix your mind on what's true and what's noble. In other words, he's saying, control your thought life. The Apostle Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. He says, take every thought captive. In other words, don't allow your thoughts to rule your life and ruin your life. He says, no, take them captive. Rule over. Give direction to. The first thing we need to do, you, you want to build to the positive? You've got to control your thought life. We need to fix Control our thought of here's the second we need to we need to filter. So we want to fix, then we want to filter. We want to start speaking positive words and control. Here's the second part of it: control what goes into your mind. How many of you are familiar with the acronym GIGO? Not GI Joe, like the little army figure, but GIGO. You know what it means? Garbage in, finish it for me. Garbage out, right? Man, it's so true. If you put garbage in your mind, garbage in your thinking process, then that's what you're going to get out. That's why it's so important that we filter, we filter what gets into our mind. We need to set high standards of what we allow in our minds and what we keep out of our minds. We must bar the, um, the suggestive, the immoral, the vulgar, the negative from our minds. Listen, you can't keep taking garbage into your mind and then have the outcome of positive thinking. It doesn't work that way. So what do you need to do? First, you need to filter. You need to filter what goes into your mind. Again, don't just let everything get into your mind. You want to filter. Not only do we want to filter what goes into our mind, but then we want to filter what comes out of our mouth. So we want to filter what goes in. We want to filter what comes out of our mouth. Because this is one of the things I've discovered, is that through my words, I can establish environment. Through my words, I can establish atmosphere. For example... Um, let me just give you a home example. If I leave here at the end of a day and I go home and I'm really upbeat and I'm positive and I go into the house and I'm complimenting my wife on the wonderful meal we're going to have and I'm interacting with the kids. Wow, you got a, a D on a test today. Whoa, that's great. You know, just kind of building the positive. You know what it does in the home? It sets the environment in the home. But if I go home and I'm like really negative, and I go in, and man, what in that? We're going to have that for dinner? Really? And then I'm on the kids, and I'm pressuring the kids. Man, just like that, I can establish an environment that's negative, and guess what? It's negative the rest of the evening, and sometimes it has hangover into the next day. You know what I'm talking about. But I can establish environment through the words that I speak. You can do the same. You establish atmosphere through the words you speak. So it's not just we want to filter what goes into our mind. We want to control that. Listen, don't let garbage in your thinking process. You want to feed your thinking process healthy information. We'll get to that more in a moment with focus. But we also want to filter the words that go out. Proverbs 18.21 says that our tongues has the power of life and death. That tells me that I can speak life to you or I can speak death to you. I can speak positive to you or I can speak negative to you. 
The same for you. The tongue has the power of life and death. So we want to filter. We want to filter what comes into our mind. We want to filter the words we speak. Galatians 6, 7. Great verse of Scripture. In Galatians 6, 7, the Apostle Paul says, the Apostle Paul, excuse me, wrote these words. He says, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, it's that that he'll reap. What he sows, what you sow, you'll reap. Now, because I believe God's word is true, I believe that what you sow is going to determine what you reap. So if we sow the positive, and we sow the positive, and we sow the positive, what over time, what we're going to begin to reap... Come on, we're almost finished, and you're going to get lunch. <laughs> if I sow to the positive, and I sow to the positive, then the scripture says I'm going to reap... I'm going to reap positive. So what... We want to filter. We want to filter what comes into our minds and we filter what comes out of our mouths. So we want to fix, we want to filter. Here's the third. How do we build to the positive is we want to focus. We want to focus on Jesus Christ and the promises of God's Word. It's interesting, the author of Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 2, says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Focus. Focus on Jesus. Want to build to the positive? Let me tell you how you do it. Focus on the words of Jesus and the ways of Jesus. And if you focus on the words of Jesus and the ways of Jesus consistently, then after a while your life is going to begin to, um, you're going to begin to live positive. Why? Because you're following the model of Jesus Christ. You're focusing on his word and his ways. So fix your eyes on Jesus. Not only do we want to focus on Jesus, but we want to focus on, on the promises of God's Word, the truth of God's Word. Now, I, I don't want to offend anyone this way. I'm going to try really hard not to offend you, but in case I do, my email address is feral at gracecovenant.org. You can send me an email. But let me tell you why some of you are so challenged in your thinking. is because you're inputting the wrong information. You're not inputting, you're not inputting the truth of God's Word. You're not building your life on the promises of God's Word. And you're wondering, why am I thinking so negative? Why am I experiencing so much negative in my life? It's because you've not been focusing on the truth of God's Word. You've not been building God's Word into your life. In Psalms 119, verse 9, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? It goes on to say, By living according to your Word. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I, I might not sin against you. But God's word, being our focus, it builds the positive. He, here's another, Psalms 119 is loaded. Psalms 119, verse 97 and 98. Listen to how this reads. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it. I, I think about it. I chew on it. Man, I, it's, it's captured my attention all day long. Your commands are always with me. They make me wiser than my enemies. And then Psalm 119 verse 104 says, I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Want to build to the positive in your life? Man, you got to focus on God's word. You got to build on God's word. 
So what, what do we want to shape our thinking, living process? We want the truth of God's word to be that that guides us. And when it does, then we begin to experience positive in our life. Why? Because we're thinking positive. We're living truth. We're thinking positive. And then the end result is, is that's what we begin to experience in our lives. So, so how do we build to the positive? We fix. We take charge of our thought life. We filter. We guard what comes into our mind and we focus we focus on Christ and we focus on the, on the promise of God's word. Listen, folks, you can't get around this truth. What we think determines who we are, who we are determines what we do and it determines what we experience in life. That's why our thinking is so critical. We don't want to be those who think negative and live negative. We want to be those who think positive and live positive. Listen, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, your thinking is either going to set you up for success or it's going to set you up for failure. And we can, we can take that to any area of your life. We can talk about your marriage. We can talk about your parenting. We can talk about your finances. We can talk about your work life. Your thinking is going to set you up for success or it's going to set you up for failure. Your thinking is either going to open your life in a greater way to God's work or it's going to limit the work of God in your life. It all hinges on what, how, we, how we think. So we want to be those who live on the positive side. Amen? We want to be those who, um, who are opening the way for God to work in greater ways in our lives. And it happens through our thinking. Let's pray about it. Lord, thank you this morning for the truth of your word, for the guidance and the instruction of your word. Lord, we, we don't want to make you small. We don't want to limit you or restrict you in any way. And so, Holy Spirit, I, I pray for all of us this morning. Because, Lord, I, what I know is we all have a tendency from time to time to slide into the negative. But, Lord, may we understand that though life is not always easy, though life is not always fun, though life has challenges, but may we understand the benefit, the power of living on the positives, of being optimistic. God, what I've just come to discover is, God, where there's optimism, it's there you work. Where there's optimism, it's there that there's faith. It's there, God, that you do great things. So, so Holy Spirit, help us every day to fix, to filter, to focus. To fix, to filter, to focus. Because this is not like a one-time decision. No, this is an ongoing process. Holy Spirit, help us to fix, to control our thoughts, to filter, to control what comes into our mind, and to focus, Lord Jesus, on you and your word. With every head bowed this morning, possibly you're here today, and you would just be honest enough to say that you have this tendency, this tendency to live on the negative side. You have this tendency to think the worst, not the best. In, in any situation, that's kind of where you nat- naturally just kind of seem to gravitate to, to the worst, not the best. I'm not going to embarrass you. I, I just want to pray for you this morning that the Holy Spirit will begin to transform your thinking process. Listen, you don't have to live life that way. If you're here this morning, and that's you, I, before we go, I would just want to seize this opportunity to pray that, that the Holy Spirit would transform your thinking process. Is there anyone just in the balcony on the main floor would just say, hey, my, that's just my tendency. I seem to slide to the negative. 
that's you in your marriage, with your children, in your workplace, really quick, hands up. Lord, I pray today for individuals in the balcony on the main floor. Lord, just who are honest enough to say, yeah, that's me. I kind of slide that way. God, I pray today that this time would be like a divine appointment for that individual. Lord, that they would be able to take the principles of what we talked about today of of fixing, filtering, and focusing. Fixing, filtering, and focusing. Lord, that they would be able to kind of work that into the routine of their lives. And Lord, I pray that rather than seeing the worst, Lord, that they begin that they would begin to see the best rather than sliding to the negative god that they would begin to move toward the positive and god this is what i know because it's the truth of your word what we sow we'll reap so i pray by your spirit that they would be uh, transformed lord speaking living that which is positive opening the way in a greater way god for you to work in their lives in their marriages in their parenting in their workplace Holy Spirit, refine, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.